We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. And this is Pastor John Lekomsky uh, coming to you uh, from the upstairs of my house in New Athens, Illinois. <laughs> you never know where Pastor Lekomsky is going to be. Right. <laughs> where we'll in the be... world is Pastor Lekomsky? <laughs> That's right. We That's could right. do we could do books and stuff like that, couldn't we? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's we'll, Waldo? Where, where's, where's John Lekomsky? John <laughs> so we're, we're still hanging out around St. Louis uh, for another couple months, and then we'll be going up north when it starts getting really hot down here. Uh, and we'll be thinking of you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so. More like laughing at me, John. <laughs> oh, that's true. Sucker stuck that. there in St. <laughs> Louis. Right. Right. 90 degrees. So, yeah. So, Matt, what did you want to talk about? You you had a very interesting subject you wanted to discuss sure. today. Yeah, I'd love to. And should we tell people what they're listening to first, John? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm always not sure whether we should or not. <laughs> but this is Wrestling, wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics. <laughs> yeah, don't turn the dial. Stay tuned. <laughs> even, if, even, right. even if it is Wrestling with the Basics. We're glad you're here. Right. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Today, what I'd like to look at is, is a, a text uh, that is familiar to the season of Lent. We're still in the season of Lent. Uh, whether Pastor Lukomsky likes it or not, we're still in Lent. <laughs> well, that's right. We're still, we're still in the season of Lent. How many weeks has this got to go? Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> we have Jesus, uh, and, and he's weeping over the city of Jerusalem. All right. So that's, yeah. that's, that's a well-known text. Uh, and, but, and, and, well, I'm going to butt in here because, yeah, go ahead. I, yeah, Matt says, let's do, and of course, like you say, this is a classic text. A lot of people heard it read just, just a, a few weeks ago. And then Matt says, and I want to go to Second Samuel 18. So now you've got <laughs> me intrigued. Good. Good. I'm glad glad you're intrigued. Uh, so what I want to do is is look at someone else weeping first. All right. Okay. So this isn't Jesus. This is David. And I know a lot of times you give uh, give acknowledgments to your wife Lynn, uh, John. So yeah. this is one time where I need to give an acknowledgement to my wife Lisa, uh, who made this connection. And I think it's I think it's a good one. So so hang with me. Okay. Hang with me. And if, if you don't like it, John, you have that's Lisa a terrible blame. pun, you know. <laughs> Hang with me. That's not a good yeah. thing in reference to Absalom. But go ahead. And oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So, so maybe we should introduce Absalom a little bit yeah. here, John, before we read uh, about uh, David's grief over his son's death <laughs> in in Second Samuel. Uh, so, uh, David, David is king of Israel. Uh, things are going great, right? Uh, Israel, this might arguably be, you know, kind of the high point of its history. Uh, things are going well. It's the glory days. Life is good, but things aren't perfect. Uh, far from it. Uh, we hear that Absalom, David's very own son, uh, seeks his father's throne. Absalom wants to be king. Uh, Absalom is, is described in, in, 
pretty great detail too in the Old Testament, uh, especially his physical appearance. He must have been a remarkable guy. So he had long, flowing, thick hair. Uh, he was without blemish, it says, from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. So it's a is a good looking dude. Uh, you're, you might you're, not, want... you're not envious, are you, Matt? Oh, of course <laughs> not, John. We... <laughs> We're two good looking pastors too. Maybe not quite as much well, hair, but the hey, long hair. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Chris, you're intentional. There's an intentionality in the fact that you don't have any hair. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. well, you know, <laughs> wait, wait till we hear more about what that okay. hair brings about. Uh, Right, you know, that's what it is. You're taking that as a warning, okay? So yeah, be careful (laughs) if you have long hair. I am safe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So. So he's, he's described like a Disney-like prince almost, yeah. you know, he's yeah. like, he's, he's perfect. So he rides around in this chariot and he has 50 men running in front of him. So he's making a big show of things and he begins to persuade the people, hey, you know, if I was king, life would be even better than this. Yeah. And people would begin to follow him. He raises an army. He has followers. He gains so much power and influence that he actually... Uh, takes over the palace. Uh, David has to flee Jerusalem, the capital city. Uh, Absalom sleeps with, you know, his David's concubines and in the harem there. Um, he's really basically saying, you know, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Uh, I want to be king and uh, forget you. Um, and you, but throughout this whole account, you know, and Absalom does some really rotten things throughout this account. We hear about David and what he does. And yeah, David flees the city and and he has to just for his own his own sake, his own safety. So he's not killed by his son and his son's uh, followers. But throughout the whole thing, David, we get the impression just continues to love his son. Um, You know, David doesn't curse him. And we just get the impression he just wants to just give Absalom a big hug um, and just put his arms around him and and just love his son. Uh, but again and again, we see Absalom. He just he just refuses. He, he doesn't want any part of that. Uh, he wants to set himself up as king over his dad. Uh, so uh, what happens is uh, they, there, there's battles and, and, and there's a back and forth. And then there's this one account where uh, Absalom is riding on his, his mule. So he's not his chariot, he's on his mule. And he's, uh, his long flowing locks of hair get stuck in the low hanging branches of an oak tree. Uh, so Joab, David's general, takes advantage of the situation. He sees Absalom hanging there, and Absalom is is killed. Uh, and it seems as though, you know, problem solved. Well, David hears about his son's death, this treacherous son, this son that doesn't care, it seems, uh, to have any regard for his dad, uh, wants the kingship. David hears about his death, and we see G- David's reaction here in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 18. So, yeah, John, if you want to read uh, verses and, 31 and following. And, and Matt, before I read that, let me, let me just insert something here, because as I'm listening yeah. to the story, uh, I, I'm thinking, wow, what, what a horrible thing that Absalom would turn against his father. Uh, I think yes. of my own two sons, Josh and John, and oh, how I'd feel if they did that, and, and your son Noah for you. Yeah, but I, you I, think, I think we need to remember, David, here's part of the problem. David's got lots of wives. <laughs> He's mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. lots of sons. So it's probably not the kind of closeness that we would think of in, in our uh, relationships we have here where we have one wife. And uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? Uh, we, although there are divided families, too, where we've had mixed families. But 
But this is a different situation. And, and all of these sons, that of course, are competing to see who's going to be uh, the follower to their father. And since Solomon obviously is the preferred one here, you can see where maybe Absalom would think, well, I kind of kind of take things in my hands or I'll be left aside. So I just wanted to make that note. That it, it seems strange that a, 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 a son would do something like this. And, and tell you, remember, no, we got all kinds of sons, and it's not probably the family relationships that you and I enjoy. Uh, and yet, like you said, what's yeah. cool is David really still loves this kid, Absalom. You know? Uh, so, okay, I'm ready. What did you say? What verse? Well, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, just real quick, John, I think that just speaks to, um, <laughs> you know, don't have multiple wives. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think it just speaks to the fact that, you know, God had it right in the Garden of Eden, you know, that he creates uh, Adam and then Eve to complete him. And the two shall become one flesh, you know, Genesis 2, verse 24. Now, that's God's design for marriage. And so when you go 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 around messing that up, having multiple wives and, and children by all these wives, you know, guess what? It, there's going to be problems. <laughs> and, and I think that that here um, Absalom's treachery is a prime example of that. That, yeah, you know, you wonder if, if David would have yeah, just had one wife, done things according to God's plan, uh, you know, would things have turned out differently? Perhaps so. Well, well, and, and let's point out the fact, too, that a, a lot of this conflict is caused by David by the fact that he had an adulterous relationship yep. with, I mean, like he didn't have enough wives already, you know, yep. so he, he has this relationship with Bathsheba, and of course, that ends up being the preferred son. So I can see where Absalom might be a little bit upset with, with what, what his father has done, you know, with just yeah. cause. Um, yeah, but but yet, you know, the, the love of David, even for Absalom, oh, yeah. and, and that's... I think that's what this text really brings out uh, as we hear about Jesus or keeps David's reaction uh, to Absalom's death. So, so yeah, John, you ready to read it? Yep. Okay. Uh, and, and behold, the Cushite came and the Cushite said, good news for my Lord, the King, for the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. The King said to the Cushite, is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise up against you for evil be like that, young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Wow, that was a good catch by your wife. Yeah. That is a nice connection, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, it's it's not what we would expect, right? Um, again, the son has taken over the palace, uh, taken over David's hair. The son has basically said, you know, David, dad, uh, you're as good as dead to me. And what's David's reaction when he hears of his son's death? Well, the messenger expects him to rejoice over this, right? His enemy's yeah, defeated. Yeah. But but it's just the opposite, just the opposite. You know, oh, my son Absalom, Absalom, my son, would I have died instead of you, oh, Absalom? Uh, David weeps. He laments. He cries out. Uh, David grieves and mourns, for and, sure. And, and what's remarkable is that no, Absalom was his enemy. Absalom was doing wicked, evil things. This is what should happen to Absalom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. He had it coming, right? Yeah. yeah that could, yeah, there been, you that go. could very well have been David's reaction, but it but it's not. You know, no. so so that's that's all kind of leading up then to uh Jesus, to Jesus, and then his 
lament over Jerusalem. And I think maybe if we're familiar with that account, and we'll read it in a moment here, but we begin to see parallels, look for parallels. Uh, David's greater descendant, Jesus, right, uh, weeps over Jerusalem. Uh, and, and it's not just a weeping over an individual like, like it was for David and Absalom. Yeah. No, he's weeping over the, the whole city. And Jerusalem, you might remember, has this history of, of being unfaithful to the Lord. Uh, throughout its history, uh, they reject the prophets that the Lord sends to them. And now it seems as though Jerusalem is going to reject the one sent by God, who's his only son, reject Jesus even. And, and Jesus, well, he could react with, uh, you know, just riding off Jerusalem. Forget you, Jerusalem, uh, for all of your treachery and your disregard. Uh, you had it coming. Uh, but Jesus doesn't do that. But especially, uh, especially Matt, realizing that shortly after this, he's going to be nailed to a cross by the people in Jerusalem. Yeah, you know? and and so. Jesus knows, and Jesus knows that full well, right, John? Yeah, Jesus predicted this already multiple times. He knows he's going to be rejected, and yet, and yet, we will hear Jesus <laughs> lament his words, uh, his mourning over Jerusalem. So. So yeah, why don't we read that too? So from Luke chapter 13, uh, beginning with verse uh, 31. All right. Okay, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, so here's how Jesus views Jerusalem. <clears throat> the city that's rejected prophets, the city that he knows full was about to reject him and nail him to a tree. Uh, Jesus weeps over it. Uh, same words almost that David uses. You know, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. You know, Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, <laughs> Jerusalem. Ah, the city uh, that stones the prophets, kills those sent to it. And then these beautiful words, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. And we see again that parallel. David, oh, so often wanted to just gather and put his arms around his son Absalom, give him a big hug, but Absalom refused. And, and Jesus, in, in like manner, oh, just desires to gather the people of Jerusalem to himself, but, but they've refused, and they'll continue to refuse. Uh, and, and, that's the reality of it. And, and you know, Matt, it's interesting as you were talking about the parallels, uh, uh, when Jesus asked how often I would have gathered your children together, that that's, uh, that is the word for your child. That's, uh, that's the word technon in the Greek, yeah. which doesn't mean just children in general, but it means, <clears throat> it means like you're Noah and Anna and my Josh and Naomi and John. Uh, so it's a, it's a very personal word. It's the word David would have used regarding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
there's a uh, there's a chapel there that's on the site or the, the 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 spot that's thought to be the site where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Uh, so it's there today, and the uh, chapel is built in the shape of a teardrop. Oh so my. so wow. you can you can Google that. It's yeah. uh, Latin. It's it's a flavit super illum. That's the name of the chapel, which means to simply the Lord wept. The Lord wept. So that that's kind of a neat image there that stands even today. Uh, inside the chapels, there's this mosaic, and it's of exactly what Jesus talks about. It's this hen gathering these oh chicks under her wings. So it's, oh. it's kind of a moving mosaic, those tile pieces. Uh, but it just is a reminder of, of Jesus' words, that just as a hen can gather her brood, her young chicks under her wings to protect them and, and even put her own life at risk, if there's a predator or someone out to get her chicks, she's going to take the blows instead of her, her little chicks. Uh, so also Jesus wants to gather them. That's all he wants is to gather them together, to protect them, to preserve them, to, to give them life. Uh, and even if it means giving his own life, right, um, he wants to protect them. And you think, too, of, of those chicks, you know, real chick, real hen. You know, what about those chicks that refuse to be gathered? What about yeah. the, the chick that maybe strays when the predator's uh, on the loose and doesn't want to be under the hen's wings? Well, then they're easy prey. Uh, they're easy prey for the predator. Uh, the predator can just snatch them up. They're as good as dead. Uh, and Jesus knows that. And so he wants to gather the people, gather the children the people of Jerusalem, to himself, uh, just as a hen gathers uh, her brood. So so we went we went outside uh, last week, and, and all of a sudden heard this bird chirping just at the top of his voice and looked up at the top of the tree, and it was a cardinal. And I said, oh, well, Lynn, look, now I know what a cardinal sounds like. And she said, well, maybe he's happy. And then I looked a little higher, and I saw that there was a hawk flying around. And I'm thinking, no, he's probably not happy. He's probably warning everybody, yep. yeah, you better get someplace safe. Yeah, because you're right. If you're not under the wings of of the hen you're you're easy pickings for the hawks out there exactly exactly that's a great illustration and you know that that's the illustration jesus uses and he knows the reality for jerusalem too that they're not safe that they're if they refuse to be gathered to him they are easy prey for for not a hawk but for satan yeah uh and he knows too that in the end they're they're going to be judged uh, for their refusal and so in that lament, that cry over Jerusalem, I think we just see the truth of, of what we hear so many places in the Bible, uh, you know, like Ezekiel 33. We've talked about the form, right, some of the basics, that the Lord has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, right? But that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Uh, David took no pleasure in the death of his son Absalom. Oh, he would have loved it so much more that if Absalom just came back to him. Uh, so also Jesus, he takes no pleasure in the death of the people in Jerusalem and their refusal to, to turn to him and their judgment. No, he wants them to turn from their evil ways, to live, to repent, to believe, to be gathered to him. And at this point, they just refuse and it mourns. Uh, it, it, it causes Jesus to mourn and lament. Yeah. You know, I, I think when we think of uh, our, our own uh, selves, our own context where we're in, um, you know, I'm here in St. Louis, John, and uh, St. Louis, um, <laughs> St. Louis isn't usually listed as one of the top cities to live in necessarily <laughs> nationally. Um, I, I saw this website and uh, it, it rated St. Louis this year as the 
fifth most dangerous city in the nation. Oh, only <laughs> five? Oh, only well, number five. We're slipping, go, John. Well, we're yeah, slipping. Because a lot of times we're one or two, you know, right behind Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no. shoot. I oh, know. I know. We can't even do that well, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> number five. Well, and, you know, you, you drive around, especially in the city, and you see uh, buildings that used to house churches and are now just vacant. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's tough. And and you think, well, what is how does Jesus view our city or any city, right? Yeah. Any community yeah. for that yeah. matter? Um, does he just, you know, say, hey, they had a comment, you know, and kind of forget us? Um, no. And instead, he desires does the same thing he did for Jerusalem to repent, to believe, <laughs> to be gathered to him. Um, you know, and another verse that comes to mind is First Timothy uh, chapter two, uh, where, where Paul writes that the Lord desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his desire for uh, St. Louis today, for the cities today, for rural areas today, uh, for all people uh, out of love that they be gathered to him. Um, and so, you know, may the Lord use us to do that, uh, to be able to share uh, the love of Christ, to share the gospel uh, as churches, as individual Christians, uh, so that people would know um, God's great love for them and his eager desire to, to gather them to himself. Um, and, you know, as we do that, uh, we're motivated by just knowing that uh, Jesus first gathered us to himself, right? Yeah. Uh, we think yes. about all the times we go astray like chicks. We're wandering around. Uh, we're in danger. And all the times that God has called us back to him, you know, uh, just calling out to us, my child, my child, and calling us by name. Uh, remember your baptism. Remember that you're my dear son and daughter. Um, come, be gathered. Be gathered to me. We think about it. He gathers us in worship by his means of grace, word, and sacrament. Uh, because we've been gathered, because we've been forgiven, uh, it, it motivates us uh, to want to gather others to Jesus too, so that they too may know the safety, the protection, uh, the love uh, of their Savior as well. Yeah. And, and, and you know what strikes me, Matt, is, is, is we can be sure of that. We can be sure that Jesus has that kind of attitude towards us, even when we maybe are like Absalom. Uh, you were talking about parallels, and I was thinking, what, what did David say? He said, I wish I would have died instead of Absalom. And, of course, in the case of Jesus, that is literally what he did do. <laughs> yes, did exactly. Uh, yep. The thing that always struck me over this passage is that that verse about a prophet should perish. It's not, it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And that word perish, of course, comes up in another Lucan text where Jesus says, you know, you better repent lest you likewise perish. And I always thought that was kind of neat. That's what should happen to us. We should perish. But no, Jesus says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go perish in your place. Yeah. Uh, I love a, that point. Yeah, that's a bit. Yeah. And it's a powerful word to apolumai there. You know, it's not just die. No, no, it's destroy. It's, yeah, yeah. What, what, what? That's Luke, Luke has that too, where Jesus says, "Don't be afraid of the guy that can kill the body. Be, be afraid of the one who has the authority to send you to hell." That's the apolumai. But of course, that isn't going to happen because, uh, as you said, uh, Jesus loves us. He, he always wants to draw us near to Himself, and indeed, He perished on the cross so that we wouldn't have to have that eternal death. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's not just wishing he could have died in our place. No, he did die in our place. And, you know, just a, a visual reminder of that, you know, that that chapel again that's built in that uh, hill overlooking Jerusalem that still stands there today. So you have that chapel in the shape of the teardrop. You have that mosaic inside, but then there's also windows. And the windows overlook Jerusalem. So you're kind uh. of, as you're looking there, you have the same view that Jesus had, which is pretty cool. And in the base of the window, uh, there's a cross. Uh, so as you, you can't look at Jerusalem mm. now from that chapel without looking through the cross, without being reminded of exactly what you just said, John, that Jesus died for that city of Jerusalem, uh, that Jesus died for all people. Uh, and now he looks at that city. He looks at us through the cross uh, because people who are dearly loved, people for whom he died, um, and, and God grant that we do that too, that, that we look at people in our own cities, in our own communities, uh, through the cross of Jesus, because that, that changes how we view them. Uh, we view them with, with love them, uh, with, with compassion, uh, with a desire that they too would be gathered uh, to Jesus Christ, their Savior. So, Matt, yeah. there's there's one more thing I'd like to point out, and yeah. maybe we can do this to start off uh, our episode next week. It's interesting. He says, Behold, your house is forsaken. But there's a really interesting thing about the word he uses for forsaken. But maybe we can save that for our, our next week's episode. Uh, a final word in three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I think it's a great hook, John. A motivation to tune in next week to find out what does Jesus mean by that. Uh, sounds good to me. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. basics.